With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast. Bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, we're going to be breaking down Utah Signing Day. We have special guest Steve Bartle from UteZone.com. And maybe talk a little basketball. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. What's up, Ute Nation? And Scott. How we doing? It's good to be back. It is good to be back. It's, good it's to been be a back. while. And we're celebrating 100 episodes. Woo! Who knew? That we'd still be doing this after that very first one. The crowd's going wild. <laughs> I still remember the very first one. I don't think we Scott wasn't in on it yet. It was just me and you. And no, we did no, I, I, I was, I was part of it. I was just on the phone. Well, so was I. I remember walking around my backyard talking. Over the phone. And look at us now, all grown up. <laughs> now we got our own studio. studio. <laughs> so 100 episodes down. Thank you for all you listeners, uh, for all your support and keeping us going. We appreciate it. So, signing days come and gone. Utah comes away, ranked 34th in the country by scouts, 38th by rivals. 88th by Ben Criddle. <laughs> I saw that tweet by him. <laughs> But honestly, I think overall it was a very good day for the Utes. What was it? And they closed quite well. I mean, to start the day in seventy eighth position to jump all the way up to thirty fourth, um, that's a big jump, and that is huge. That's that is, if I'm not mistaken, the best finish that Utah has had ranking wise, um, really ever, and especially since joining the Pac twelve. So, when you look at it, you look at what Utah has done. In the Pac-12, with not near the type of recruits that our competition has been pulling in year after year after year, I, I I really wonder what is the rest of the conference thinking, seeing Utah continually rise in the recruiting, knowing what they already do with uh, with the talent that they have. I'd be curious to see we see what uh, around the league what uh, people are thinking of the Utes right now. To be honest, I think they're probably a little bit nervous. I mean, have to be, right? You'd have to be. I mean, they're, the past few years, take away the first couple of years, first three or four years we were in the conference, but even you go back just a couple of years now, we're in in, in, the comf, in the South race most of the way, all the way to the end a couple of years. Well, and, and a lot of that... Especially those early years, that was Mountain West recruiting classes, Mountain West level talent, and we we've continually improved. But even even in the last several years, we haven't been competing recruiting wise with the USC's, the UCLA's, the Oregon's, uh, even the Stanford's of the conference. 
And uh, granted, you, you know, we're probably never going to catch the, the USC's or UCLA's because they just, they just pick off four star guys left and right all day. But we're making strides against everybody else in this conference and we're going head to head with those guys. We're winning. You know, it used to be, well, could we get them on a visit? Well, can we be in the final running for these guys? And that was kind of a moral victory if it, once we were able to start doing that. But but this year and even last year, it wasn't just, are we in the running? Are we getting them in for a visit? It's, we're starting to land some of these guys. We're winning head-to-head battles against UCLA, against USC, against Oregon. Heck, this year against Penn State and a number of other programs. Well, it, Look at just Jack Tuttle himself. He had offers from Alabama and USC, and he picked us. And both both are trying to get or sway him late in the process. But uh, the same with uh, Solomon Enos. Yeah, big name schools that were going after him, and so the tide. I mean, these guys haven't played a down of football yet, so it's to be determined. But if they live up to what is considered to be their potential. This is a great class and it's 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 deep. It I mean it's not the biggest class in the world, but I mean you look from top to bottom and we'll go through and we'll kind of do some breakdowns on this, but there's just so much talent. I mean you look at every one of these guys and you think, oh um the offers that they had on the table and the fact that we were able to pull a lot of these guys in. And some of the, some of these guys are kind of coming in Without much fanfare, but I think we're gonna they're gonna press for playing time early. So this will this will be exciting to kind of see how the, some of these guys uh, work out here. And I think that's my biggest takeaway of uh, these recruits is we talk a lot about stars. You know, can we get the four star guy? Can we get the five star guy? That's nice and all, but I really like to see who else is offering, right? Because you hear coaches or college coaches say they don't worry about star ratings. They have their own matrix that they go off when they're recruiting. So when you look at if you look at guys like Tuttle and Enos that had high profile schools coming after them, that's what I like to see. And we are winning those battles, maybe not 100% of them, but we're being competitive in recruiting against the top teams in Power 5 conferences. No longer are the days that we're having to compete for guys from G5. Absolutely. I mean, you're right. We're not going to land all of them, but you've got to start someplace. You get a couple of the guys like Tuttle and like Enos, and if they pan out and turn this program into a consistent winner and a few championships in the conference, that's going to turn the tide down the road to get more of those types of players. That's a good point, Ryan. So I, the last five years... I, I pulled up the, the rankings. So we're 34, 33, 37, 45, and 66 in 2014. So our average is f- ranked 43rd in the country um, over the last five years. In the last three years, it's a ranking of 34. Yeah, I mean, that's great. It's because it's trending in that right direction. And I think that's the key because you go ahead and look at this class and there's some there's some very talented in-state guys that we got this year but we we didn't sign 
we missed we missed out on a good number of local prospects and and there's always going to be there's always going to be local guys they want to get outside the state they want to try something new and that's always going to happen and that's not that's not alone to Utah Utah's not the only state dealing with this you got I mean Solomon Enos uh, he he's from the state of Arizona and Arizona and Arizona State didn't get him so he was the top rated wide receiver so guys go out of state but I think the key is going to be for Utah, exactly what Ryan just said. If we can win the South, represent the South in the title game, and heck, win a conference title, that's going to start turning heads of guys locally where Utah is that cool school now, the school that they want to be a part of. What that will do the rest of our the, our recruiting footprint here in the West and even in Florida and uh, in Texas what we're able to do and continue to bring in top-level recruits year in and year out. So it's trending in the right direction, but yeah. we still got we still have that hurdle that uh, as a program we've got to we've got to cross. Well, and it's interesting because we are having that success what we're talking about, and we're doing it with what the program's building up, right? So investment in football facility, the locker rooms there, getting Pac-12 money now getting all that stuff, now we're starting to compete with teams in the Pac-12, and now we're winning them. And as Ryan, was you're saying, if we can win, we can keep that trend going and possibly get even higher recruits and bring in bigger names. Well, I mean, you look at this class for that very reason. On the field, this was not the year maybe we were wanting, the big year that we needed. You know, if you go 11-1, and 10-2, and two, you're gonna, your recruiting class is going to show because of that success. Guys are going to want to be associated with it. Again, not, not, a, not a phenomenal year on the field, especially with how things turned out, but it's still a rock-solid class. And so now if we can take all the returners that we have coming back, offense on defense, add these new guys to the fold, and then go out and, and do something this fall, what that is going to continually do for the program and, uh, and you know, to the point where we can get it, we're in the top 25 recruiting classes. Uh, that I think that's going to be the key is to, to jump into that top 25. And I, I, I think we've got the opportunity to do so, but we've got to, we've got to start taking care of business on the field. I think it's a real credit to Whittingham and his staff that they've continually worked so hard recruiting status year after year um and, and it's clear with getting guys like tuttle like enos and some of these other guys they've been able to show that there's something here at utah that's special you you hear guy you hear guys all all the time talk about the brotherhood of the team and it's a family environment family on three family on three family and that's a that's a great selling point to a lot of these kids. I think that's a great point, Ryan, because I remember a couple of years ago, that was one thing we were harping on is that Whittingham wasn't the best recruiting head coach. And obviously he's taken steps to strengthen that. We've seen that. And with the type of atmosphere he's building, that family atmosphere, it's it's paying off. And it. And honestly, you know, a lot of the local media here likes to rip on Winningham for his decisions on the offense and with the OC and how it's damaged the program. But you look at it, and has it really damaged it that much? 
it maybe it has set it back, but I I think damage is too strong of a word. It it probably hasn't progressed as it it hasn't flourished the way I'll, that I'll, the, I'll take that, that flourish maybe step back. I'll, I'll any take of them that. wanted, but full credit to Whittingham for realizing those mistakes, correcting them, but not sacrificing what the core of this program is. Well, most of those media members who are criticizing have not fixed their own mistakes and how they do their jobs. <laughs> so you know. It is what it is, and I think I think Whittingham he's he's taken on a different approach on the recruiting cycle. Something that we need to remember is this was the first year that the early signing period took place, so that changes things because you're now able to bring guys in earlier, seal the deal on some of these guys. So that's going to change strategy a little bit, and uh, but overall. Um, you know, I think over these last couple of years, we've seen Utah kind of take a different stance and a different model how they recruit. Instead of getting a bunch of early recruits and early um, commitments, they're kind of holding off and going for the bigger fishes and seeing what they can land before they fill out that class. And it's paid off the last couple of years. But I think you've got to give credit. We we talk about Coach Witt and his uh, ability to to adapt and make some changes, but you've got to give credit to his staff too. I mean, Scally's a big recruiter. Um, Holiday, I think, is a big not recruiter. to mention we just signed the ace and Cameron's of our, favorite of guy. our recruiting class. He came back to the fold, Cameron. What do you think? He will sell you a dirty Honda, and you'll like it. <laughs> The the best used car salesman. Gary, I love you. No, it's a great hire. From a I, recruiting standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, he's a good coach. But from a recruiting standpoint, I think it's big. No, it's and, big. And, and do you know, I, do you know where before. Gary's been assigned? Where his recruiting area Wisconsin? is? Wisconsin? <laughs> Home state, baby. He's going to be locking down all the locals. I like it. And I, okay, let's back up. I <laughs> said it in kind of tongue in cheek. No, you said it over like three straight months. That Gary <laughs> reminded me of a used car salesman. I will not let you off the hook on this. <laughs> we haven't really I, met since since that was announced. It, it's a great hire. I love it's, it. I don't think it had too big of an impact on this I, signing class. I, think I might he, be wrong. I think but he's I think... the coach in waiting. <laughs> wow. Let's just throw that out there. <laughs> No, I don't really think that, but I'm just trying to get under camp skin. Anyway, I think going forward, it's it's going to help immensely in, in recruiting. I would agree. All right, so that's kind of our overall thoughts of, of recruiting and the program as of today. Um, as we kind of break down some of the guys that really caught our eyes, uh, we want to me- mention that we're brought to you by Doubletree Suites by Hilton in Salt Lake City downtown, 110 West, 600 South. Give them a call at 801-359-7800. By the way, I just went there for my anniversary this past week. Oh, yeah. How was it? It was great. Good hotel, good food. Ate at the bar one night. It's great. Very nice. So one guy that really caught my eye was Devin Brumfield. and He really caught my eye because he's from Louisiana. You know, Utah doesn't really have a big recruiting footprint out of there. But here he is, a running back, 5'10", 225 pounds, three-time... All-State running back, USA Today even listed him as a Louisiana first team. I'm excited for it. He's not exactly like a a Zach Moss type of guy, so it's nice to bring in another running back um, into the fold and that can really 
handle the ball for Utah. Well, and he seems to have pretty good speed for the size that he has. His uh, his his junior year was his best year at uh, at Covington High School down in Louisiana. His senior year still put up a lot of uh, big numbers, but he he played at a higher weight. Uh, from my understanding, you took it to try and get him down a little bit so he doesn't have so many moobs in the way when he's out there trying to get a first down for us. But uh, but I but I but I think he's a big boy. You add him to an already deep deep running back um, situation up on the hill. So I, I I'm excited for him. I think he, and and plus we're not going to need him from day one. And and th- and I like that. You know, let let him possibly redshirt this year or this coming season. But I mean, twenty three hundred yards, twenty five touchdowns his senior year. Yeah. In, in in the south in Louisiana, big time football down there. That it it, it I don't know. Get, getting a guy out of Louisiana, I think, was just really cool for Utah. Yeah, I mean, offensively, obviously, Jack Tuttle. He's the he's the headliner. He's the guy that uh, everybody knows about. The guy we we're just hoping can we hold on to him? Signed on the early signing period. Um, and is really the gem of this class. But I think I think you can put uh, Solomon uh, Ennis right up there with him. Um, top wide receiver out of the state of Arizona. Good size, 6'3", 193. Um, he's going to be able to come in. I, I picture him basically taking over the role of Singleton. He's kind of got that similar body. Um, and he's gonna he's gonna come in and be able to uh, to get reps from day one. I think, and that's his plan. That's really I think what allowed Utah to sign him was the the opportunity for early early playing time. And uh, you know, not to mention we got uh, Bronson Boyd uh, transfer from Texas Tech, who's coming off a redshirt year, who's also a kind of a bigger body um, special special athlete. So. Um, the, the wide receiver position at Utah is, is looking exciting. Not to mention we've got Covey coming back from a mission. So a lot of talent for uh, Jack Tuttle to throw to. Oh, 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 oh. You say he's coming in oh. right, off the, right off the bat? Gonna, I let gonna the, steal the starting job? I let that out of the bag, didn't I? I'm actually excited for a couple of tight ends that we uh, picked up. Uh, one of them... Isn't isn't new necessarily to the program because he signed a couple of years ago and then went on a on an LDS mission. We got Cole Fotheringham, who's coming back this year. Big guy, six three, uh, good high school stats. And then the the kind of the talk of the recruiting, well, outside of a couple of the big guys, was Thomas Yasmin, the guy from. Pick up from Australia. If you have not watched his film, you really need to log on and do it. Because, granted, I know he's not played he's not played football, American football, and so there's going to be a learning curve there. And you know, I don't think anybody's expecting him to come in this year and start producing. But he's he's got great size, six five. I mean that that's six five two forty two, and he runs a four five. And he's and he, in his own words, he goes, "I can run faster in four five. At that size, to run like a wide receiver, he is going to be a mismatch for linebackers and oh, safeties. Yeah. Assuming he can learn the position, he can block, do what he needs to do, but. Appears to have the hands to go and catch the football. When I thought Australians could only be punters, 
So I was actually pretty excited to see him. <laughs> no, I th- I am excited. And, we, and you know, we lost our two big big tight ends, uh, Handley and, and Wait, we Cialli. had tight ends? Well, they didn't they didn't utilize him till the bowl game and then they couldn't catch the ball. No, actually in the but, bowl game we still didn't utilize him. They tried to, but they couldn't catch <laughs> the ball. Oh, uh, you know, that's a position that just needed a, a rebirth. That's the tight end position. So with, with these scratch. two guys, I mean, I know one of them is brand new to football, so that may take a while. But but with their size and their speed, they could be in the mix with uh, with those two top guys graduating last year. No, I, I think I think I think there's, and you didn't even mention uh, Brant Kuthi, Kuthi, Keithy, Keithy, Keithy. Keithy. All right, that's that's a tough one. That that name is tougher than most Pauly names. I mean, I can throw Andrew Mataafa, Fakalatanga, Fakafua out, no problem. And then Keithy comes here and just sends me sideways. You got two of them. But uh, yeah, Blake and Brant. I'm uh, obviously Brant is the tight end. I think we'll see him kind of uh, more in the H back position in the backfield and. See him in a number of uh, opportunities, but he's he's a guy who put up great stats in the state of Texas this year, um, and and has pretty good uh, speed as well. So definitely some playmakers on the offensive side of the ball um, that Jack Tuttle's could be able to utilize. Okay, let's just put it out there: how long before Tuttle sub- <laughs> replaces? Well, here's the deal: if if in fact Tuttle is what we all maybe hope. And expect of him, if he were to come in and win the job, the problem is he may be the only quarterback on scholarship left, because Huntley's not going to stick around, and I don't think um, Shelley Shelley will as well. So I no, I, I I would expect Huntley's still our starting quarterback, but uh, I think Tuttle's going to give him everything that uh, he needs to push. How about defensively? Who who stands out for you guys? I really like Vontae Davis. Uh, is a JC transfer out of Blinn College. He still has three years to play. Six one one sixty eight uh, defensive back. I, I like it because Casey Hughes leaves early, and we have a a guy coming in <laughs> to Michigan of all places. That was bizarre. We have a guy coming in now that has experience at that position and help out add, add depth um, to the defensive backs there. Uh, one thing that I, I really liked about his stats is he had three forced fumbles. You don't really see that a lot out of defensive back. So having a hard-hitting defensive back in Davis, I'm happy about that. As you look over all the defensive guys that were signed in this class, it is hard. It's hard for me to narrow down, like, who stands out? Who do I like the most? I mean, I I think... uh, Jackson Cravens had offers all over the place and uh, and did not play his senior year. Would have would have had it the pick of the pick of any school he wanted to. He's going to come in. I think he's going to he's going to show early and uh, get get an an opportunity for early playing time. I mean, you look at Tariq Lewis, a defensive back. He I, he's got great size. I think he's going to be able to uh, to get some early playing time. But who stands out to me? I am I am so excited for Andrew Mataafa. He's a linebacker from uh, Mount Carmel High School, San Diego, 6'3", 206. 
Again, another guy who did not play his senior year due to a knee injury. Um, but if he had, chances are we may not have been able to get him because he would have been, from uh, from what I understand, one of uh, one of the top recruits at that position in the country. So uh, maybe the Utes dodged a bullet by uh, by him getting that injury uh, um, and sitting out his senior year. But I think he's got an opportunity to come in um, at the linebacker position and uh, and and perform quite well. So those are a couple of the players that really stood out to us. We'd love to hear you know, what players stood out to you. You can tell us that on Twitter at Utah Man Podcast. So it looks like we have Steve Bartle on the phone, and we'll let you know that that interview is brought to you by our sponsors at Farmers Insurance. For protecting your home, vehicle, and family, look to Farmers Insurance. Call Scott Omer at 801-307-4046. All right, joining us on the phone now is Steve Bartle from UteZone.com. Steve, how are you doing? Doing pretty good, doing pretty good. Thanks for guys have, for having me on. I definitely uh, appreciate you bringing me on, and you know, I'm excited to talk to you guys. So first question I got to ask you, Solomon Ennis, how was Utah able to get such a high-profile wide receiver? Um, so with, with Ennis, it was definitely a, a big, big factor with that was was Coach Holiday and and uh, really just the the time and effort that they put in with him to show him that he was the guy that they wanted. You know, they had identified him early on that he was going to be a guy that um, could be a an early contributor, and that's really kind of what sold him was just the fact that there's an opportunity for early playing time, and and uh, they sold that to him, and they they did a great job of developing a relationship with him and. And solidifying that relationship with him, and and um, Coach Holiday, you know, made it a point to visit him in every opportunity that he could. Jack Tuttle was also involved with him. You know, he wasn't. I guess you know there was a, a greater expectation of him uh, when he committed that he was going to be a, a greater influence in the recruiting class, but you know he kind of uh, shut things down like literally shut things down and, and was all focused on his team and, and what they were doing. But he always seemed to um, talk to Enos and, and communicate with him and let him know that he was the guy that he wanted at Utah. And so Jack Tuttle was also a big reason for that. And, and, and really it, it just came down to um, just that um, the opportunity to play early, to be the man in, in the offense. And, and the coach holiday did a, a tremendous job with, with Solomon. So I mean, Jack Tuttle and and Solomon, I mean, the, the, they're the headliners of this class, the, the guys that you know everybody's talking about. But it seems like every year Utah gets some under recruited um, guys that aren't getting much attention, and they're able to come in and and turn them into solid players. I mean, this year, this uh, Thomas Yasmin for uh, the tight end from uh, from Australia. Um, and Simi Moela, who we didn't hear much of, kind of uh, till last second. What type of impact, specifically those two guys, do you, do you see uh, having with Utah? And, and and can either of them have an early impact? Great question. And, and with Yasmin, I think there's an opportunity for him to um, make an impact on offense, just because he's such a unique 
talent in terms of his size and athleticism. Obviously, there's definitely a transition from not playing, you know, football at all, you know, and playing rugby um, to actually, you know, putting on the pads and putting on the helmet. He talked about, you know, when he first put on the helmet, when he was on his official visit at Utah, just how weird it was. And, um, <laughs> you know, I spent a, and so, you know, like even that, like something like a helmet, like something you take for granted is, you know, there's a, a transition, you know, for him that he's got to get used to. And so something as small as that. So, you know, he's, he's gonna, he's gonna be given the, the time, you know, I don't think they're expecting anything of him this year. Um, so if he does come in, you know, he, if, if things click for him, he's definitely got the athletic ability and talent to, uh, to make contributions and to make an impact. But, you know, I would put the expectation with him, um, that it's going to take some time for things to click, but man, if things click for him, goodness gracious, watch out. You know, he's six, five, two forty already runs a four five, um, in the 40 yard dash. And, you know, he is just a freak. So, um, if there's one player that you hope turns into a, a good player, it's Yasmin because he's going to become a nightmare for Utah. So, I mean, for, you know, um, for opponents and that kind of stuff. But, um, Simi Mawala, he was a guy out of, out of the, the 2015 class, six, seven, 255, just a big body. Um, a lot of us kind of think that he's better suited to play offensive on the offensive line, like offensive tackle, just because of that, that size that he has, you know, he's tall, he's long, he's athletic. Um, if he ever makes the transition to the offensive line, I think he's got tremendous potential there, like NFL potential. Whereas if he's, you know, he's going to come in on the defensive side of the ball, which is what he wants to play, you know, as any big man with athletic ability does. Um, but even if he sticks at defensive line, he's going to be a good player. Like he has um, good traits, good ability on that defensive line. He's got a, a suddenness to him that's rare for a guy his size. And just with his length, that's that's going to be a, a big, big headache for offensive linemen going up against them week in and week out. But, um, you know, he's he's definitely got some traits that if he develops, you know, whether it be on the defensive or offensive side of the ball, that he's going to become a, a, a really good player for Utah. So definitely, you know, an underrated um, pickup there. But he, you know, with time and with development, he can he can definitely become one of those guys that contributes in a major way. Hey, Steve, a year ago, Tariq Lewis uh, signed and then it didn't pan out. Um, and then they got him again this year. Did did Utah have to recruit him hard or was he still committed to, to return? So he did open things up, um, and and I don't know that that was so much his decision, his decision, as much as it was Utah's. You know, it didn't look very promising about uh, two months ago in terms of him getting his grades in order and that kind of thing. Um, but Utah, you know, they they told him like, hey, if you ever get your your grades in order and that kind of stuff, like you're you're more than welcome to 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 join us here. And so Tariq always had Utah at the top of his list. Um, he never uh, truly decommitted, but he, you know, he announced that he decommitted on, on Twitter and that, but, you know, Utah was always the place for him. And so he, uh, he stuck to it. He got his grades right and graduated and you know he'll be at Utah here in, a, in about a week or so. And so he'll be participating in spring ball, which is a, a good deal for him. Um, 
he's got two years to play, so, you know, it's going to be important for him to kind of pick things up quickly. But, you know, with the, the departure of Casey Hughes, it's definitely become a much more valuable um, signing for Utah to pick up Tariq this year and to have him in the program. He's definitely a tremendous talent, great athleticism. Um, you worry about uh, him, you know, taking the year off. He definitely, And so there's going to be some time for him to kind of pick things back up in terms of the football aspect of things. But, you know, if things click for him again, you know, what you hope and, and that um, he can definitely be a player that, you know, allows Utah to do some things with the defensive secondary, whether it be, you know, moving Julian Blackman around as kind of a, a chess piece there, whether it be at safety or cornerback, it allows them to do some things uh, with him in the fold now. So, you know, kudos to, to Lewis for um, finally getting getting his grades in order and, and working hard and not giving up on, on making it to the, to the next level. You know, and Utah is definitely happy, happy to have him, you know, in the program now. So out of this class, who who is this year's Marquise Blair? Who's going to come in and just turn heads and uh, and uh, get all the headlines early? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I would say Bryant Pirtle, just because he's definitely got the um, the wide open lane in terms of coming in and being that guy to start, and he's got tremendous tremendous athletic ability. You know, for a guy his size, he's six three two thirty, right around there. Runs sideline to sideline. He's a big guy. He packs a punch with his uh, when he tackles guys and hits guys. And so I think he's going to be the guy that um, kind of comes in and and makes headlines. You know, as long as things click for him, it's definitely tough coming from JUCO to to uh, to Utah and playing that linebacker spot. There always seems to be. Um, a, a little bit of a transition time, you know, for things, for, for guys to pick things up at that position. But you know, when he does, and when he's just kind of playing with things, you know, he'll be, he'll be a, a tremendous threat at linebacker. And then another guy, you know, is Mika Tafua. He was kind of a untraditional pickup for Utah. He uh, originally committed to BYU out of the 2015 class. He had offers from Oregon and USC and Washington coming out of high school, but he went on a mission. He decided to come to Utah. And since he's been at Utah, he joined Utah in October after returning. And uh, he's been the talk of the town. You know, whenever we talk to, to staff or coaches and that kind of stuff, uh, people in the know, you know, he's always one of the first guys that they talk about as someone to pay attention to coming into next year. So Mika Tafua is going to be a guy that definitely makes an impact next year. I think, um, I'm excited to to see him coming up in spring ball and seeing what exactly he brings in that. So I think Utah's got a, a couple good uh, uh, candidates for that Marquise Blair Award um, with Mika Tafu and Brian Pirtle there. Will, will Pirtle, will he be exclusively linebacker? Will we see him uh, on the line of scrimmage rushing uh, from the end? Oh, yeah, you'll see him on the defensive, on the defensive line. You'll, he'll be similar to... Kavika Luafatsanga, where he plays linebacker and he plays, you know, on on the edge there, um, on the line when you know they go in their dime package or they go five five guys on the line. So he'll definitely um, play on the line. He's a good pass rusher, you know, with his athleticism um, and just his physicality and his tenaciousness. He's definitely a guy that uh, will play on the line and he'll succeed on the line. He'll get his fair share of 
uh, opportunities to hit the quarterback and that and get sacks. Um, so he's going to be, he's a versatile piece, um, but uh, primarily linebacker and he'll play defensive end as well. I'm curious to hear your take on how Utah approached the early signing period since it was new this year and and if they're going to tweak how they how they approach it in the future. Great question. I think that's kind of the the number one question for, you know, people that follow this recruiting stuff um, is how they adjust to early signing day. It was a new thing this year and I think uh, with with the small class that they had and, and the number of spots that they had, you know, it was very small. Um, I think that they took the right approach in in sort of being a little more deliberate and being patient with things. Um, for it being the first time going through it, um, but I do think that it didn't go the way that they thought it would. And Coach Whittingham even spoke to this on during the uh, National Sunny Day press conference that um, there was about, um, what do you say, they were expecting about 50% of, of uh, classes to sign for each program where um, that number was actually close to 70 to 75% of guys that signed with their programs. And so um, I think that they kind of underestimated uh, what it would look like. Um, on early signing day, but they will definitely uh, learn from this and, and make adjustments uh, just because that's what Utah does. They're very good in identifying where they need to be better in recruiting and making adjustments and that. They've taken a, a, a very patient and deliberate approach the last couple of years, and it's worked out well for them. But now that they know what other programs are going to be doing in that early signing day, it's gonna uh, they'll make adjustments and they'll be much better coming into things um, next season. So I think that there were some things that they learned with guys committed in their class that didn't end up in their class, like a guy like DeLon Hurt. Um, that's a guy that they probably could have been a little more aggressive in uh, signing early so that they that way they have him locked up and don't have to worry about him. But even then, you know, you had a guy like Andrew Matasso who they knew was going to be committed um, and, and they didn't push for him to sign early, but... Um, he ended up at Utah, so I, I think that there's definitely some opportunities for them to make adjustments and and uh, improve their approach when it comes to early signing day. But I think for this year, for the class and, and just all those factors into it, um, I think that they they still took the right approach. Steve, thank you so much for coming on. I, just one last question before you go. How committed is Jalen Johnson? <laughs> Man, I think I think he's only going to be committed for another year or so or Dude, two years. I can't, left. I can't let you go a whole year without having at least that question thrown at you. Did you have a Jalen Johnson this year? I don't. I don't recall. Oh, luckily, no. Like, luckily, Jack Tuttle was going to be that guy, but, you know, he uh, he was the man when it came to recruiting and just shut things down. Any sort of report that talked about him thinking about going elsewhere, like, he shot it down. You know, he was committed as can be. So there wasn't that Jalen Johnson this year, thank goodness. You know, I'm very grateful for that. Um, I don't have to deal with, you know, hundreds of questions every day about whether he's going to stay committed. So I was very grateful that they, that we didn't have to deal with that, but um, it definitely made for a, uh, a less drama filled, uh, class 
you know, following this and that kind of stuff. But, um, but no, Jalen Johnson is still committed. He's still <laughs> rock solid at Utah. You ain't got to worry about that kid. Um, no, really, I wanted to uh, follow up with just uh, with, with King Tut there. Obviously, he was solid, what you said, with Utah, kind of his whole recruiting his last year in high school. With all the turnover with Utah's offense and really not having an identity much until, you know, until this year with Taylor, how, how did Utah get him? Because honestly, like if uh, all the national guys question. thought he was still going to go with Alabama or USC, like what's the trick that that Utah figured out to get such a high profile quarterback? Well, I think that they struck gold. I don't think it's, that it's anything that Utah did in particular, but I think it speaks more to um, the character and, and kid that Jack Tuttle is. You know, having met him, you know, in person and talked to him in person um, at a few events you know, during the summer, very, uh, he's mature beyond his age and, uh, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's looking for. He's, um, it's just a, a brilliant kid, a great kid and a leader that is gonna, he's gonna lead Utah to great things and, and just, you know, his work ethic, his commitment to the program is just his integrity with what he, um, what he deemed as a commitment, you know, um, that's really speaks to him more so than I think it speaks to anything that Utah did and not that Utah, you know, do anything. Obviously they, they did a tremendous job in selling the vision with Troy Taylor. You know, once he came on board, uh, he came on board about a couple of weeks after Jack committed. And so that was kind of the first thing for him was to, to sell Tuttle on, on uh, what the offense was going to be. And, and he bought in, you know, he was, he played an early role in, a couple of commitments like Brian Thompson and, and that, and, uh, and he was a, a big part of Solomon Enos and his commitment. So, um, I think that they really just struck gold with such a great kid and Jack Tuttle, you know, and, and what he kind of sees is a commitment and, and he loves Utah, like Utah to him. And he raised about Utah. He loves it at Utah. He always talks about how it was love at first sight. Um, you know, he is a youth through and through already, and he's been on campus for a couple weeks now. So, um, they, Utah committed to him as much as, as Tuttle committed to them. They, Utah shut things down in their quarterback recruitment, even though they're only going to have three quarterbacks on the roster next year. Um, you know, they showed him that commitment, and that really meant a lot to Jack and, and what, uh, what led to, to them just kind of beating other programs out. But, but again, I, I think it speaks more to Jack Tuttle than it does anything else. Perfect, and that and Steve, uh, people can find you at Ute Zone, uh, part of Two Four Seven Sports, and also ESPN Seven Hundred on Wednesday nights. Where where can people find you on Twitter? So my Twitter handle is s bartle two four seven. I don't know if you always want to follow me. Um, I'm not the uh, greatest follow. At times, I don't tweet a lot of funny things or anything like that. Um, Neither does so Scott. I don't know that you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but no. I, you, so S Bartle twenty four seven is is where you can find me on Twitter. Come to Youth Zone. We've got a lot of great content on there. Um, got a lot of great things planned for the spring and coming into next year as well. We got a lot of good things coming uh, for you guys. So. Um, Cam and guys, I appreciate you bringing me on. It's like I said, it was, it's always a pleasure. You know, when you guys ask me to come on, I, I get giddy 
you know, when you guys ask me to come on. So <laughs> it's always fun. Awesome. And, uh, you also didn't know <laughs> this is our one good talking recruiting. This is our 100th episode, and we're bringing you on on our 100th episode. So that's how highly we hey. think of you. Well, why didn't you tell me that? I would have, like, bought you guys, like, a drink or something. Like, a Mountain Dew or something. I didn't even know. Dang. Man, I, I wish I would have known. I could have, like, brought some pizza into the studio or something. Dang, I'm honored, guys. That's awesome. 100th episode, huh? Yeah. Yeah. All right, Steve, you're the best, uh, honestly, the best in the business when it comes to recruiting and breaking down film. And, guys, we appreciate your time. And look forward to seeing you yeah. up at Spring Ball. Definitely. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks again Thanks, for the Steve. time. It's always a pleasure talking to you guys. Have a good night. Thanks again. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, so to celebrate this 100 episode, I think I think it's fitting that uh, we have a toast for the 100th episode. I've got a little, a little poem that I'd like to read in honor of this occasion, if I may. It's falling as you put out the boat. It's easy to grin when your ship comes in and you've got the stock market beat. But the man worthwhile is the man who can smile when his shorts are too tight in the seat. <laughs> okay, Pookie, you'll be honored. Bless this ship and all who sail on her. I christen thee the Flying Wasp. <laughs> you guys and your movie references. Oh, Caddyshack, such a good movie. Okay, Pookie. <laughs> well, don't just stand there. Somebody get some glue. <laughs> you scratch my anchor. Uh... Well, good job, guys. 100 episodes in. I'm tired. And you look like it too. <laughs> and always, and your shorts are too tight in the seat. <laughs> always appreciate Steve coming on and breaking down some recruiting. Uh, like I said earlier, he honestly is one of the best in the business when it comes to to recruiting. No, he works. Uh, he works so hard, and he and he he really gives so gets so much good information. Not just recruiting, but just on the Utes and the program. And uh, he he along with so many Utes don't do a great job. So. Appreciate, yeah, appreciate him coming on and uh, all the insight that he gives. And if you want that type of insight all the time, get a membership at, at Ute Zone uh, 247 Sports, and uh, he and the guys will take good care of you. So I want to get your takes on who is this year's Marquise Blair. Who's the guy that stands out? And Jack Tuttle cannot be oh, come the on. guy. <laughs> Please. So, Okay, last year, for a little history, I think this probably would have been episode maybe 70, 75, we came up with and decided, okay, who is going to be the breakout player of the year? And uh, we all came up with a name. Ryan... This isn't going to end well for me, is it? Ryan took it as an opportunity to select a returning starter who is an all-Pac-12 player in Marquise, Marcus Williams as his breakout player of the year. So I'm going to say and this look year, what he did in the playoffs. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to talk a little slower so Ryan can understand. 
breakout, meaning they haven't done anything yet. Who is this year's breakout player for you guys? From this recruiting class? From this class. My breakout player, drum roll please, is Solomon Enos. Oh, shocker. (laughs) He hasn't played it down yet. He fits the bill. The guy with the most stars. (laughs) Stop it. No matter what I said, I'm never going to (laughs) win. It's true. (laughs) Basically, I mean, listening to our interview with uh, Steve Bartle, I mean, one of the reasons he committed was not, not that he was guaranteed playing time, but a chance to play early. And if they're if they're telling players that there's a chance that you can play early, he's he's got to be a special talent. Cam, who you got? So I got to go with Thomas Yasmin out of Australia. When we heard Steve just talk about how he's still getting used to wearing a football helmet, but I think that you know the sky's the limit for him. And and really six five two forty two, that I think he can get it done. Yeah, that's a good one. I uh, I I'm I'm torn. Um, I'm trying to decide between Pirtle or uh, Jackson Cravens. A little a little unsure with Cravens because our defensive line it's hard to crack and and uh, stand out as a true freshman. So I am good. I'm actually going to side with uh, Steve on this one. I think Pirtle. Uh, I think he's got an opportunity to. Step in early and uh, and show what he can do. As uh, I'm calling, it. he's he's our next uh, Nate Orchard type uh, edge rusher. We'll see him in that situation from uh, time to time. Okay, so I think that will do it for our thoughts on recruiting. And again, let us know what you think on Twitter at Utah Man Podcast. Uh, before we go, we kind of want to hit basketball. The running Utes, seven and six in conference right now. They're only a game out of second place in the Pac-12. Five games left. It's it's coming down to the wire for standings, and realistically, they're still playing for a chance to make the NCAA tournament. It's all going to depend on which Ute team shows up down the stretch because they've been they've really been Jekyll and Hyde all year long. Yeah, I think this at Washington on Thursday night is going to be obviously a crucial game on the road, and then uh, the home game against UCLA. Those are those to me are the two toughest games left on the schedule. So if they can, uh, man, if they can at least get one of those games, because they've other than that they've got you're at Washington State, you're home against USC, which we've had a lot of success with. Um, and you're home against Colorado. Granted, Colorado, that's not a gimme either. They handled us at Colorado. But, uh, yeah, I think it's what, what Ryan said, it really is determined what Ute team shows up. Because when we get consistent scoring from Colette and when Bearfield, um, you know, shows up and, and produces, this is a tough team to beat. They, uh, they're very, they're playing above what I thought they were going to be able to do this year. And uh, so I, I've been I've been pleasantly surprised, but I think a lot of that, Colette has had some no-show games, and uh, as well as Bearfield. But when those two guys are producing, this team, this team produces, and they're fun to watch. So I, I those two games are going to be the, the two crucials. 
And right now, Joe Lenardi has these guys as uh, one of uh, one of five teams that's just outside looking in for the NCAA tournament. So that's why this stretch is really crucial. You've got to you got to take advantage to get some more tier one wins um, to put on the resume. Um, and potentially, if we can if we can sneak into a top four spot in the tournament and get a day one buy for the Pac-12 tourney, that's going to be huge. But um, well, and Larry even talked about in the post game um, against Cal. That's what they're aiming for is to get in the top four because having that buy is huge. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, to not if you don't have a buy, just to get to the championship game is tough. And uh, so, yeah, that that's that's crucial. And and again, I'm kind of hoping they can get uh, an Arizona or maybe a UCLA in the tournament for another chance at a at a top win because I think they're going to need all the help they can get going down the stretch to to get an at large bid. Even though we did not have a lot of expectations going into this season, man, I, I'm sick of the NIT. We gotta, we gotta get back into March Madness, and even if you're, even if it's not the type of team that can make a deep run, you gotta get there. And a lot's gonna change next year because you have a complete roster makeover, a ton of talent coming in. But hopefully this year we can we can finish strong, we can get some momentum uh, heading into uh, that next season. All right, Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter N, feather. And Scott? Yeah, uh, Uteman underscore forever. That is Uteman underscore forever. And as I said, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. You can always find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you can find a podcast and at our home at utahman.com. Uh, and again, just want to thank everyone out there for all their support. 100 episodes. We couldn't do it without everyone uh, and all your input and keeping us going. We very much appreciate it. And go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be teledakayai. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. Are we inviting uh, Tyrone Corbin on? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Some things never change. <laughs> One thing I haven't missed in the two months <laughs> we've been away. Hey, hey, Tyrone Corbin here. He, he. Well, I don't know. With this pace, we're going to make it to episode 101. <laughs>